Did I'm, she like do inspections on the glass? Yeah. Yeah. She like visibly you, see? You, you can see. Yeah, gunk on them. That's a little you know, nasty. Little boys with dirty glasses, you know, if you're going to have a boy that sounds like has a country glasses, song. You know, Little boys with dirty glasses. We'll have to write that. We'll have to write that song. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Make a million dollars. You were talking about, country. you were doing uh, this thing. 3D glasses. 3D. You remember in the 90s and like early 2000s when like all the sitcoms would do a 3D episode? Yeah, yes, 3D was and big. You'd get like the, when they changed the 3D technology and everybody wanted to get in Right, on and, and you could get like the glasses television. from like McDonald's or yep. whatever. Yep, Those the resurgence of it. Those were good I times. Was, I never really was into, I saw my first 3D movie. At I can't 18, stand 3D movies. At 18, it was an old B movie that they were showing at Wheaton. Uh, in the chapel, I can't remember why, just an entertainment thing. And uh, but it was was it black and white? It was some old old picture. And it was the first time that I'd watched a three D movie, and it just didn't work for me because yeah. maybe it's the stigmatism or whatever. But I always had a hard time with any kind of three D stuff. Do you remember the five D books and cards that you know? Um, that you kind of would fuzz out. You'd have the picture that almost looked like a little Oh, you kind of had to like cross your eyes. Right, yeah, yeah, kind of unfocus and the picture would pop out. Yeah, I'm good at those. A bunch of flowers and then the face of Jesus would pop out if you fuzz at it. If you fuzz at it. If you fuzz at it. Those never really worked well for me. Every once in a while I could get my eyes to do it. But 3D movies I think more annoy me than anything else. Like when they did them on the TV shows because it was usually like a one episode thing, they would make the 3D things like super obvious. Like they'd poke something at the screen or whatever and i got that despicable me at, in the end credit when they did the 3d version of that i've never seen it oh my gosh and the, uh, oh, oh my gosh the How little minions annoy movie? me it, it's well especially now because they're everywhere right but, but i do like steve carell i did but not I expect to, to like that movie and it was fantastic but anyway uh they're they're like um going they're like spoofing themselves because it's 3d and they're like over the top with it, it during the credits and they have like a tape measure that comes right right yeah like that so. kind of stuff i get but like when you're just doing like an action movie in 3d so like yeah. the explosions can be bigger yeah. stupid in disney world <laughs> they had we're, the, we're not talking about this today but now i'm on the subject we have 10 minutes to rant you said and <laughs> <laughs> uh, they had one of the shows they have um i don't know if they still have it um, it was a muppet show and or no, I'm sorry, not the Muppet one. It was a Bugs Life one. Okay, I remember uh, that. So at one point, I will never go to that again if I if it's still there. I will <laughs> never ever go to that again. It was I will ride roller coasters, whatever. That I'm was not the, do- the 4D experience Ooh. when you're in there. Yes, yeah. because not only was it 3D, they spray you with water they, and stuff. But yeah. they sp- had like a stink bug was yeah. there, and they sprayed something nasty into the room. The worst. And you feel part, like something's running underneath the. Yes, thing. it was like please wait to be, wait to stand so the mice and whatever can and you feel something running over your yeah. feet and I'm like no. Yeah, that is not like why do we why, why? When, when we first went to Disneyland and not Disney World Disneyland in California they were doing the Michael Jackson Captain EO experience oh. through that it was same it was like the first of that kind of thing That's uh, cool. at Disney and it was same kind of thing it was like whoa this is freaky right. and creepy like a totally and immersive weird experience and, yeah and cool and yet also, I don't think I ever want to do this again, but all that kind of stuff wrapped up together. That was fun. Though, oh, what an only time I did it. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, hello. I'm done talking about hello. 3D. How are you going so to transition We're just going to dump 3D. all that trash and move into the oh, into the gosh. actual subject matter. What is our subject matter? Taking out the trash. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. So, yeah. So, we just transitioned. Another, another country that. song. Taking out the trash. <laughs> Somehow your country songs always sound a lot like 70s folk songs. 
I wonder why that is. I'm okay with that. Because you listen to a lot more. I, I listen to a lot of, of 70s folk songs. Yeah. I was listening to 60s ballads. But realistically, all 70s music was infused with country at that point. So True. it was pretty. This morning I was listening to some Percy Sledge. Nice. All right. When Good a man stuff. loves a woman. I was listening to Leonard Skinner last night. So. And the Almond Brothers. I was, I was having a good I time. I like the Almond Brothers, but I feel like I always sang the Almond Brothers, and that's <laughs> not what they are. I, I notice in that genre of music, particularly in that era, the songs are like nine minutes long. It's like yes. listening to Hillsong or any Southern gospel. It's like Do you know they lied about that stuff when, that, when popular radio was first starting? I don't know what you mean. Uh, Phil Spector. He would write these or produce these super long songs, and radio executives were like, no, these are too long to have on the radio. So he would just lie about how long they were, and the radio executives wouldn't really listen to what? him. What? Yeah. And so they put him on there. Like, they're like, we only want songs that are two minutes. And, <laughs> and Phil Spector was like, okay, this is two minutes. And the and AOR format was born. Yeah. <laughs> the more <laughs> you know. know that. Okay. So, so by speaking falsehood, he accomplished yes. his goals. There's wonder, a lesson to be I learned. I <laughs> wonder if Paul says anything about speaking falsely. Oh. In Ephesians chapter 4, Here we go. as he says in verse 25, in all under the, the idea of living a life worthy of the calling that you've received as a Christ follower, being born again in Christ, being chosen and adopted and predestined, uh, because who we are has been changed, our nature has been changed, we're united to Christ, we need to live in a way that fits and in verse 17 of chapter 4, he says, I tell you I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do or the, the, the heathens or pagans uh, in, their, in the futility of their thinking. And he shows the, the difference in, in mentality uh, and conduct between the unregenerate mind of the world and the regenerate mind of those who are in Christ. And he, he then in verse 25 says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, so that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So as yeah, he's addressing better. this, you know, he's speaking specifically to Christ followers, saying that, don't be like that. Mm -hmm. Don't don't do the Phil Spector thing. Right. I'm not trying to knock Phil Spector one That's way or another. That's the least of Phil Spector's. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm just, you know, what he's saying is what is normal for the right. world, what is normal in who you used to be mm -hmm. in your flesh, which is dominated by sinful desires and, and leaves you in a spot where you are you, you are indulging your senses, your your human passions and urges and continually hungering for more of that, that's not who you are in Christ. That's who you were in the flesh. It's not who you are in Christ. And because of your new nature, you need to have a new way of thinking. Uh, and, and the core reality that we looked at on Sunday is that a life that fits a child of God involves conduct that reflects the reality of Christ. So that's his whole point in this section right. is everything that you're doing here is coming out of 
your new nature, your new way of thinking. What he talked about in the previous section when he's saying you need to put off your old self. That who you were doesn't fit. Ditch that. Get rid of it. Uh, and you know you need to change the way you think. You need to receive this transformation of your mind as you are no longer conformed to the pattern of this world in Romans 12, 2, but instead you're, you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind. So as you fill your mind with scripture, you take on the mind of Christ through the spirit and the word, you're thinking differently. You view life and reality differently. Therefore, this lens, this worldview doesn't, doesn't fit you anymore. You can't look at it and say, well, you know, the expedient thing it works. The, right. You know, there's no expediency in Christ. It's not the end justifies the means. The means are part of the end, which is why generosity for the Christian is dramatically different than a secular government saying we're going to tax you to, to take care of the poor. There's no spiritual benefit in that right. for the individual because that's not a choice that you're making. So that doesn't mean that we shouldn't all be taking care of of the poor. In fact, we see that specifically here. But God's expectation of his followers, of his children, is that we're going to do that from a heart that is reflecting Christ. If it's apart from Christ, it's not of any lasting value. And you broke this down on Sunday, and we were talking about it uh, earlier before we started, into uh, four sections. And I think maybe that might... Three sections? Four sections? Uh, four, yeah. Four sections. Um, I, think I didn't be, really. Paul did. I just well, from a, from a conversational standpoint, I think yeah. that might be a good way to go about what we're doing today and try to stay on track as much as we can. Okay. Because uh, we're really good if at that. not, we then do we can a lot do four separate podcasts. And um. we, we actually will be because each of the next uh, four weeks we'll be looking at these individual topics and developing them. So, well, we're, so that's we're good. We can use a, these as like teasers. Yeah, it's kind of a, a springboard. And, you know, I, I wanted to try to develop all of this on Sunday, but we'd still be there right now. Mm. And it's Tuesday now as we're recording this. But um, would have been hungry. Yes, and I like food. And so <laughs> as we're working through it, it just it wasn't practical for us to be able to do it mm-hmm. and I didn't think it would be responsible for us to move on in the rest right. of the mm-hmm. in the first three chapters we, we hovered a little bit in chapter one because there were doctrinal issues right. for us to deal with so we took several weeks to get through that in breaking down some of those things and, and could have spent a lot more on it but in those big picture concepts and being able to to understand the foundation of the rest of this um, we didn't spend a huge amount of time because the the picture uh, of being reborn was established. Right. And the, so then we're just talking about going through that. <clears throat> and, and that was crucial for us for us to do it. And it was, um, I think, necessary for us to hover a little bit in chapter one. Well, we're doing the same thing here in chapter four. Probably, we may do a little bit of that in chapter five, but I think this is where we, we see a very specific uh, prohibition of certain things. Mm-hmm. And we'll see uh, this idea... Um, developed again in, in chapter five and, and there's some more um, there's there's some proactive admonitions there's some contrast in there uh, and then in the latter half of chapter five and into chapter six we see Paul putting flesh on that on the on really the final concept as he's talking about uh, in 521 submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ and then what does that look like in each of these relationships? And so as we have this attitude of mutual submission within the body of Christ, 
Each of these relationships gives us the opportunity to reflect Christ, which is why, you know, as we, uh, at, at, as a church at Real Life, when we see um, the, the purpose, the mission of the church in the New Testament as Christ's ambassadors, uh, the way we phrase that really draws a lot from what we see here in Ephesians 5. Not exclusively, but, but our phrasing of it is focused on reflecting the reality of Christ through relationships. So who Jesus is, his, his love, his justice, his mercy, his wrath, all of these things, wrapped up, the, the character of God wrapped up in the person of Christ and displayed for us, the invisible God made visible. We are, as, as Paul said earlier in this letter, uh, we are the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So we as the church are to be a reflection of Christ among the world. As people see us, we are his ambassadors, therefore we are representing him, and they should be seeing him in us mm -hmm. all the time. So we'll, we'll spend specific time on chunks of things like, you know, how wives and husbands interact in, in right. an attitude of mutual submission, how children and parents do, how, how slaves and masters or employers and employees and all the things that go along with that. Uh, not that employees, employers and employees are the same as slaves and masters, but there's a parallel mm -hmm. as we're dealing with that. Uh, and we, we'll, we'll develop those things later on. Same thing here. We're talking about four connected interconnected right. and related things right. and how we reflect Christ in the relationships that, that we're given. Um, but they're really different as we're talking about, you know, the, the four categories that, that we see in this passage are dumping dishonesty, uh, removing resentment, getting rid of greed, and unloading unwholesome talk. So each of these areas, they're connected to the others and they're all flowing out of this idea that as children of God in Christ, we have a different nature, we have a different outlook, everything about us needs to be, uh, because it's already been redeemed and regenerated, we need to, we need to reckon reality rightly, we mm -hmm. need to submit ourselves to the Word of God and to the will of God according to the Spirit of God that He's put in us, sealing our our uh, redemption sealing the the fullness of our inheritance so let's get into it we we already kind of we're touching on the the dishonesty aspect here um but i think that's probably even for non-christ followers i think it's pretty universal to understand that dishonesty dishonesty is not a good thing yeah especially <laughs> in somebody else right right and so <laughs> you know i don't like so, it when you lie to me right Although, but even when you even when you lie you're like we just, I don't feel great. But we but, justify it a lot of the time, yes. and, and that's why, because right. we don't feel great right. about it. We don't want to lie, but right. we're happy to justify it so that right. we convince ourselves that it's not a lie. It's not dishonesty. Or it's for the right reasons or whatever. You know, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> we so often will throw in pop culture references and, you know. Yes, please. Arrowverse and One yeah. Calls the Heart, these things come arrowverse. up. Um, no, but, it, you know, it's... It's still there. I have to find a new show. One of the things that bugs me to no end between Felicity Smoke and Green Arrow Oliver Queen is this constant relationship tension over dishonesty. So, you know, especially... Well, usually a good basis for a relationship. Felicity is regularly upset that he is withholding information, mm -hmm. which, you know, covert superheroes often do. And in relationships, we often do. There's, there's intentional withholding. There's unintentional withholding. There's a lot of that... And we cover that in premarital counseling when, when we're getting through those things to, to address it. But 
She does the same thing. She just justifies it when she does it. And, and we see it in relationships all over television and movie. If you didn't have those kinds of things, then there wouldn't really be much of a story show. in right. a lot of these things. But in real life, it doesn't feel good because, you know, dishonesty by omission right. is sometimes even more hurtful right. when you feel like somebody is keeping something from you because they didn't, what, didn't trust you enough to have that information? Right. Or One what? calls the heart. Elizabeth was freaking out on Nathan because she didn't, you know, he didn't, uh, come out and tell her what was going on right. in 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 his Story. role in her right. husband's death. Not that it was really a role in it, but there was a connection to it. Right. And, and as, he spent two seasons not telling her, almost three. Right. Right. And there wasn't really a particular reason for him right. to tell her, but she perceived that as Dishonest. falsehood, right. as as dishonesty, and so that really upset her. Mm-hmm. But she also wasn't forthright with her feelings throughout those two seasons with either Nathan or Lucas. Right. And so, but it, again, that's a TV show. But and it but makes for it makes for. But you know, the reason TV. we have these things in stories in TV shows is because it's a reflection of reality. Right. If right. it doesn't connect with reality, nobody's watching. Right. So, which is why, if you watch any of the superhero movies, there's no reality in. Iron Man flying around in a metal suit and right. things like that. It's, it's the human relationships that have to connect with reality. It's interesting how on TV shows and movies, we as viewers, as you know, outsiders not in that world, can see that as a red flag and Absolutely. see that as something not right. But, but then we we're don't so in our own right, right. Yeah, it, yeah it's, it's really a big deal, and we should we should be aware of of those kinds of things. Character issues are really the only issues, mm-hmm. I, and I I don't. Like absolutes very often, I know but you I don't. don't think that I could state more strongly that character issues are really, truly the only issues that matter when choosing a mate. Oh, it doesn't matter. Attraction is irrelevant, and attraction is a useful tool. It gets us together, and that's the nature of things. We don't have to work at attraction. It's right. going to happen. We're going to going to be there. But any two people in a situation, given proper character and proximity, are going to end up finding attractiveness in mm-hmm. one another. That's that's human relationships. And uh, if anybody disagrees with that, email me and we'll be able to work at that. Something real at reallifeonline.com. No, just email so, directly. <laughs> .org, not .com. Um, so anyhow, as you're, as you're processing these things, if you're in a relationship and you're not married, with, uh, this is an important distinction because once you're married, you've locked in, right? You've committed to this. So when you're choosing a mate... You need to look for these character issues Mm -hmm. in one another. You need to check it in yourself, but you also need to be looking at what is this person that I'm dealing with? Are they hiding things from me? Are there there shady things that are coming out? Because when that happens, I don't care if you're standing at the altar. If you discover that this is not a person of character, it's time to run. You're going to discover it eventually. (laughs) Right. It it will come out and bite you. So at the very least, you need to delay until you deal with it. Because if, if we're honest, if we're being real which we should always be, everybody has character issues. There, sure. there is no human being that doesn't have those. Right. So we need to figure out what they are, where they are, to, uh, you know, uncover them, deal with them, not sweep them under the rug. But most of us, because we're in love, we always love being in love, right? Then, then we ignore these things. It, especially, uh, and I'm, uh, when I say especially, I'm, I'm stealing from other people's Research because other than anecdotal stuff, I don't have any real research that I've looked at with it. Uh, but I remember James Dobson really dealing with this and a, a couple of other people dealing with the fact that especially women tend to have this idea of I can fix him. You mm. know what? That's why. Why does why, I feel attacked? Why? Why is the good girl? <laughs> 
Why is the good girl drawn to the bad guy? Right, that's well, a classic you know, trope, you know? Absolutely. Why does that happen? Because there's something maybe in that nurturing part of, of being a woman that says, I, I can make him better. When, right. when we're together, I will fill these gaps and, and you know, all these things will come together. Mm-hmm. And he won't, he, he right. might be shading now, but he won't be with me because our love is bigger, you know. I should stop talking about my life. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding, sort of. Um, when we, <laughs> I don't think it's but, any but, surprise. But, but it's all of our lives. All I right. mean, really, the days of our so lives. So some um, of us are in a situation where we catch it right. sooner. When, right? when, uh, I mean, I, don't, I think I've talked about it before. I'm divorced, but um, I and my uh, ex-husband went through counseling with you for quite a while uh, while we were kind of struggling with things. And I think that a recurring theme or a recurring statement that you continued to tell both of us when, when we were having problems was to focus on the other person's needs and your own character. Mm. Because the fact of the matter is, we can't fix each other's character. You have to right. focus on your own character and recognize that you have those problems and deal with them yourself. And, and I'm not trying to get too off track here, but dishonesty is... A huge one and you know whether you're telling a little white lie or you're withholding things or blatantly lying about something you're doing then that's a, that's a you issue not a somebody else issue and also I, I think we overlook and, and this is true when we're talking about each one of these categories we tend to swing on that pendulum you know yes. all the time from extreme to extreme but we will very often think that by trying to overlook these character issues mm-hmm. in someone else, which I can't fix. I have to focus on on right. my issues. Right. But I still have to have accountability in the relationship. We right. have to have this honesty. And if I'm not addressing, if, if, mm-hmm. you, if you and I are That's in a true. relationship, yeah. friendship, brother, sister, whatever it Any is, relationship, and, right. and, and we have a thing where I know you're being dishonest with me, but for the sake of the relationship, I just, I'm going to, you know, try to ignore it. I'm going to try to be nice because I don't want to have conflict. Mm. I don't want to be that person. Well, as I'm doing that, I am actually being dishonest with right. you. I'm not holding you accountable. Now, forgiving and moving, you know, moving beyond it, that's another issue but entirely. But holding things inside like that, that's right. it, it, here's the thing, it's festering and it's eventually going to come out worse than it, than it was. <laughs> uh, Les and Leslie Parrott say that, that when we bury these issues, they have a high rate of resurrection. Mm. And, and, and this is super true when we have these negative emotions, we right. cannot bury them. That is also falsehood. So if I'm if I'm wearing a mask emotionally, if I'm uh, if I'm angry with you and we're not talking about it, these are also lies. These are these are falsehoods just up- as much as you know, me hiding something of, right. of my own sinfulness. And what's going to happen else. is you're going to feel horrible and you're going to end up resenting that person. Yeah, or, or at some point it's going to boil over right. and you're going to have this huge blowout. Right. Or you never do have that big blowout. You just die inside right. and, until the you've you've also then contributed to, to the breakdown of the relationship, right. whatever it is. If we're not speaking truthfully with one another, and I think that's, that's the broadness of it that, mm-hmm. that we miss out on. It, it's interesting... You know, we were talking about this in, in marriage and so on, but right. it, it's a big any, relation, right. any relationship. And Paul is specifically talking about with each of these. He's talking about the relationships within the church mm-hmm. because his point is you are members of one body. Mm-hmm. And we we see that uh, uh, therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. This is is the point. It's the focus. If I'm if I'm not speaking truthfully to you, 
then I'm harming the relationship. And if we are one body in Christ, right. I'm actually harming the whole body of Christ. I'm right. harming myself because I'm united to you as right. we are both united to Christ. And here's one thing I, I know we need to move on, but here's one thing I want to say about that. It's hard. It's it's Super painful hard. because some things that you know that you should be saying, and, and we, we were talking about speaking the truth in love is what yeah. you're supposed to do. But that does not mean the person is going to respond to you that right. well. And that's a scary thing. Right. But that, Because I don't control your choices. Right. So I think yeah. we need to move on. But well, and that's <laughs> where, you know, I've been pushing this hashtag love speaks truth. Right. And, and if anybody happens to want to share this podcast, I would encourage you to use that hashtag. Uh, it's, it, this you is what we're talking about. It, it would be awesome. <laughs> um, you know, signs in the yards, all, right. all these things. There's such a movement and... Uh, I won't spend time on this today because we're going to spend time on it later. But there's such a movement to celebrate sin, mm -hmm. to show that we love people. Right. But that's not love. Right. I'm celebrating something that is harmful to you. Right. If, if you are anorexic and, and I just want to show my support to you so I encourage your anorexia, that's, say, that's not loving. Let me tell you, as somebody who had an eating disorder when I was in ninth grade, <laughs> uh, when people say that you look great, or whatever that is fueling right. you know whatever's going on in your head what yeah. what got me out of that was a medical doctor saying uh your liver's eating itself and you probably have about six weeks to live truth okay yeah. well let's stop that then big, it's, big it's truth bombs not yeah. easy to hear but uh that something i like that in particular shocking to hear but but what if your doctor loved you so right. much cared about you so much wanted to protect your You'll feelings so much that they i don't you know i can't really tell you this right. right so i'm gonna tell somebody else right. or you know i'm just gonna keep it to myself who would want that kind of doctor right. that's not care that's not love right and, and why would we do that to other people when right. we're talking about things that offend God? Mm -hmm. If you're, if whatever the sin is, and obviously, I, you know, I'm not making any secret about the fact that the big thing that we are celebrating, big sin that we're celebrating is the spectrum of LGBTQ uh, sinfulness and immorality that we see. God in our, specifically, in our, in, in our community here locally, we're seeing that a lot. Right. But nationally, that's, right. that's right. huge. Internationally. And so, internationally. Uh, and, you know, you don't, the reason that, you know, oh, you're so hateful, you're such a bigot, why are you talking about this? The reason that we talk about this is because nobody's putting out pro-adultery signs. Nobody's putting out, you know, pro-drunk driving signs, pro-murder signs. You're not doing, well, I take that back. I have seen pro-abortion signs. So Ooh. as you're, if I'm celebrating that, then I'm specifically acting in hate towards someone. Because I'm telling you that you are okay doing something that makes you God's enemy. A lot of people aren't going to see it that way. Right. But, but love speaks truth right. anyway. Right. And that doesn't mean we go around, you know, <laughs> we're going to save this for something to rant about. <laughs> but you know, I had somebody comment on my Facebook. Uh, I posted, I think it was something you said on, on Sunday, and it wasn't in the, in the program or anything, but it was when I celebrate sin, I'm... I'm Living the opposite of what you know, Jesus has been. And a uh, guy I used to uh, hashtag love speaks truth. A guy I used to play shows with back in the day. Um, comment on. He goes, "What exactly is celebrating sin?" Now I had to think about it for a second because I don't really have the kind That's of relationship. Very valid point. Right, and I don't really have the kind of relationship with that guy where I feel like if I 
laid it all out there on, in one you know Facebook post that it was going to affect him. In fact, I thought it might turn him the other way and uh, against what I was trying to say. Um, and I probably should have just messaged him privately about it. But I just kind of did a little recap of, of what I hmm. considered that to be. And he said, okay, he goes, oh, thank, thanks for clarifying. Um, and I don't know, you know how he took it or whatever. But I think a lot of it depends on the relationships that you have with people. I'm not that close with Absolutely. him. So I can't speak to him in the same way that I can speak to you or a close yeah. friend or whatever. So I think a lot of people think that Christian's bashing them for the LGBTQ stuff or whatever it's going to be, hmm. it's because it's being done in like this sweeping generalized way when I think really what should be happening are more personal conversations. It's got to start right. from within, I think. Uh, and, and also, this is a little bit off of, of where we are, but I don't want to neglect to point out that a lot of those perceptions come from observing people who are not Christians right. but who I claim agree. to be. Right. Yes. So a lot of people out there wearing the jersey not on the team. So folks who will right. in the name of Christ, who don't know Christ, right. do things that don't represent Christ. All these things we're talking about are what Christ looks like and what right. Christians are supposed to look like. Yeah, you like. don't and see Jesus so far... bashing Christians, right. but you never ever see him condoning sin. I probably should have come up with some sort of a working definition for what it means to celebrate sin. Mm-hmm. It, it just sitting here it's if not I, too late. if I were to to try to come up with one sitting here, I would say uh, anything that encourages, condones or promotes that which angers God mm-hmm. and is opposed to God is celebrating sin. So mm-hmm. while, you know, it's easy for us to isolate on a particular thing, because again, right now, you know, how many, how many uh, specifically named egregious sins do we have parades for, and, and you know, court cases to promote? There's, there's abortion. There's, you know, uh, CRT, which I would also say is specifically racist and wicked and sinful. Um, and, and there's the LGBT issues. Those are those are the places that we are currently in our society celebrating. But we could say the exact same thing about each of these areas that we're talking about here. With talking about dishonesty, resentment, greed, we celebrate. Uh, what was the other one? Unwholesome talk. We celebrate these things in a variety of ways, not just with parades, but we celebrate them when we endorse them. So talking about removing resentment, the, the idea that when I let anger drive, the devil hijacks the car. That you know, we celebrate anger. All the time, we mm-hmm. we do lots of things. Even if it's you know, um, you know when when we when we I remember when uh, Osama bin Laden was killed, mm-hmm. and um, and that was a, a if I can use the term necessary evil, I, I don't know that that's a great way to say it, but it was the least worst option when we're violence in, in right. dealing with violence, uh, and and I saw people who claimed Christ who were celebrating the death of this wicked right. man. There's no question that Osama bin Laden was a wicked man doing wicked things and in this military operation uh, was killed. But God does not rejoice in the death of the wicked, but in their repentance. And as Christ followers, the world is celebrating the death of the wicked. If it's the assassin, assassination of, a, of an evil dictator, we celebrate that. We celebrate right. Saddam Hussein's fall and all these things. and. And we do want to celebrate justice, mm-hmm. but we should never celebrate the the, the death of a, of a wicked person, uh, the the uh, execution of a murderer. I absolutely am <laughs> hashtag controversy. Absolutely am pro capital punishment, 
and can make a biblical case for that. Because I am pro-life, I am pro-capital punishment. However, that doesn't mean we don't need reform. We absolutely do. But I can never celebrate the execution of, of even the most heinous of criminals. I should go through this with weeping and pain because a, an image bearer of God, someone that God specifically created to carry his image, no matter how distorted that image is, mm-hmm. has, has died, has been executed, has been condemned, faces judgment. I, to, to revel in someone spending eternity separated from God, that's not Christ-like. You look at, speaking on, on that same context, we, I thought, Charles Manson came to mind, and in multiple interviews throughout his life in prison, mm. he said if he ever got out, he would do the same thing again. Mm. And I don't know if he thought that way up until his death or, or what, but... Yeah. And, and I think he was another death that was probably celebrated by a lot of people. Or they thought, well, good, now he's off the planet or whatever. Mm. Um, but looking at that through a different lens, it's really kind of sad yeah. <laughs> that, you know, f- for all assumptions you, you could make, that he did die probably without Christ in his life mm. based on the things he'd said. I don't know for sure, obviously, but I think that, yeah, again, it's it's okay to celebrate justice being served but that's really sad that this guy went through his whole life thinking that way and he's you know just a, a public figure because he was what he did was so was so quote-unquote famous right but there are millions and millions of people like that who well and, and our hearts as christ followers again we're not talking about the world we're talking about those who are in christ right. who have been reborn whose nature has been changed we should celebrate what God celebrates. Right. Our hearts should break where God's heart breaks. And so what, when we're talking about removing resentment and not letting, it's not that we don't get angry. Mm-hmm. It, feelings are not the issue. What we do about those feelings is right. the issue. When we let them settle into us right. and define us, when we let them drive, we're not actually in control. We're giving the steering wheel to the devil at right. that point. And so when I allow anger to distract me from the mission that I have as an ambassador of Christ, my job, my reason for being on the planet is to represent Christ in the kingdom of God. And if my anger, even if my anger is against injustice or against sin, if I'm so consumed with my hatred of sin that it keeps me from being an ambassador of Christ, reflecting the full reality of his character and nature, then... I am not walking worthy of who I am in Christ. Right. I just real quick before we move on, I uh, I think I posted this on Facebook because we're doing too. great at sticking right. to five minutes on each. One. Uh, I think I posted this on Facebook too. I was in I was getting my car the other day and I just turned it on. Usually I'm listening to a playlist or something on Spotify, but I it was seventies folk song. Right. Yeah. But it hadn't synced up yet, so it automatically went to the radio. Um, and I that must have had WFRN on, and I didn't know it was on. It was some show, not music. Mm. But the only line I heard before my phone synced up was. Um, I'm going to misquote it, and I don't know who it was that was speaking. Um, was when uh, when I don't or when I forgive somebody, I'm setting a prisoner free, and I'm the prisoner. Yeah, um, and that's really you know the heart of resentment on a personal standpoint. The longer you hold on to resentment, especially with an individual, you're the one hurting. They probably don't care. <laughs> like they're not their lives aren't that affected by it most of the time. Right. So heard it compared to drinking poison, expecting the other person. Right. To die. Exactly. You know so it, so from a personal standpoint, resentment's not doing you any good anyway. Right. So it might might as well let go. Of well, it. and it kind of flows into the next idea of getting rid of greed. Is as we're removing resentment, we need to think the way Christ thinks. Mm-hmm. Right. If we're ambassadors of Christ, celebrate what He celebrates. We need to grieve over what grieves the heart of God. 
when we're talking about getting rid of greed, we need to recognize the, that the regenerate mind values what Christ values. So, if, so no Gordon Gecko. If we're putting, if we're putting our focus on earthly wealth mm-hmm. as an end in itself, then we are valuing that which Christ devalues. Right. Mm-hmm. We're, we're putting our we're, our we're storing treasure up in things that wrath and mo- uh, moths uh, moth and rust can destroy. Wrath and moths. <laughs> Words, podcasts. Anyway, um, so if we're going to value what Christ values, it's the word of God and people. That, that's what we're looking at. So God, God's glory has to be our, our primary objective, mm-hmm. to be able to reflect the fullness of who he is so that more and more people can be one to him right. and, and more sins forgiven, more people redeemed. That's our goal. So as we are valuing people, then the purpose of wealth for a Christ follower, and this is, you know, replete, the, the Bible is replete with this truth, even before the New Testament, if we look at the Old Testament, the people of God, the children of Israel, were commanded to care for the poor. They were commanded to prioritize the worship of God and the care of the poor. The personal possessions, that, that was something that God warned about regularly. He didn't say not to have them, right. but... But he did warn over the dangers of this regularly. The book of Proverbs is just filled with uh, admonitions about the rich oppressor. But not the, the Bible does not condemn people for being right. rich. It condemns people for how they are rich, right. how they get that gain mm-hmm. uh, through selfish and dishonest gain, uh, stealing and cheating. Uh, those are, are specifically condemned. The Ten Commandments condemns stealing. In fact, uh, I just heard someone say, I can't remember right offhand who it was, uh, some podcaster that, that I saw on YouTube. Oh, it was Dennis Prager actually was talking about this. Uh, talking about how this Eighth Commandment about stealing really encompasses all the rest of them. That every other one of these is some form of stealing, taking from uh, what is rightful and authorized. True. I don't know that I would go to Dennis Prager for my biblical wisdom, but there is there's an when element right, of truth right. to that. Right. right, yeah, for sure. So if I'm uh, if I'm creating uh, some idol, I'm stealing from God's glory. You know, and I think greed often becomes an idol. Absolutely. You know, whether 100%. it's again, whether it's how you yeah. achieve that uh, financial gain or the things that you or what you do with right, it, you right? Know? So whether I can and, and gotta have all this stuff, right? So we kind of talked about that a little bit on, on Sunday. Paul says, "Stop stealing, start right. working." But right. he doesn't say start working so you can amass wealth for yourself, right. so you can fill your storehouses because there's a bigger purpose. Right. If I'm an ambassador for Christ and I have a regenerate mind and I value what Christ values, then the reason for me to gain is so that I can give. And you also mentioned on Sunday that doesn't mean don't have stuff. <laughs> right. But but don't let stuff have you. Right. You know th- this is a pretty big deal. So when I allow my actions to be driven by selfishness, I'm not walking worthy of who I am in Christ. And, and that seems like a pretty easy concept, but with each one of these, it's bigger and broader than we usually will will accept it. And then the the last thing that we talked about as far as the. Uh, the four big categories here is unloading unwholesome talk. Uh, and when, when we're talking about that, we're not just talking about speech from our mouths that's representative of all of this uh, logos that comes from our minds as I'm expressing myself in, in speech, uh, in writing, in social media uh, posts, and so on. It breaks God's heart when my words do not reflect him. Mm-hmm. And particularly as a Christ follower, 
we are here as Christ's ambassadors. Right. We are here to represent him. If the words that come out of my mouth or out of my fingertips are not the you things... words that, coming out of your fingertips? Many magic words. Oh, I wish we um, had like an editing software. <laughs> <The> words. <laughs> um, when when that's the case, and I'm loose with my tongue, mm-hmm. or I'm loose with my posting, or my writing, or, or whatever it is, then I am dishonoring him. Mm-hmm. I'm distorting the image dishonor of who he is. Dishonor on you. Dishonor on your cow. And we live in a world where we're we're talking, you know. <laughs> We're talking so crassly, mm. much more so than I can remember in my lifetime. Now, That's that, true. There may be other times in history that I was not a part of that, that were like that as well. But there's just a level of crassness that is, has been abnormal in the church. And the world is now influencing the way we speak in the church right. so much. I hear youth pastors trying to relate and be cool and hip using language that ought not to be used by a Christ follower. Uh, I was watching uh, Jesse on, on uh, Disney Plus with my, my daughter, Disney Channel series from a few years ago. And, and it's, you know, it's kind of an inane sitcom kind of thing. And, and But just the episode we were watching was just so replete with... Um, some crassness, some you know body function humor that's all throughout children's stuff, but just put down after put down after put down. So the unwholesome talk that we're talking about is not just using bad words. It's not just talking about obscene things or content. profane things. Right. It, it's any kind of use of words that is not building others up in Christ. That's not leading people to Christ. That's not giving glory to God. That's not helping other people understand him better. Right. Anytime I'm not in that situation, I am not living a life worthy of right. who I am in Christ. In the marketing world, there's a phrase that is used over and over again, and it's content is king. Absolutely. And uh, I think that's something that needs to be used in life as well, because yeah. the things that you say are... It have an effect on everything. So whether we're talking about the the unwholesome talk or or getting rid of greed or anger or uh, or the the dishonesty, all of these things, when we see Paul's admonition to be speaking the truth in love, this hashtag love speaks truth, there is the dominance that must be pervasive in our mm-hmm. conduct that truth matters. And when I say truth, I'm not talking about math facts. We're talking about eternal truth of God's word, who Christ is, what the gospel is, what what things please and displease God, what are what things are suitable and unsuitable for those who, who serve and follow God. We must be clear about these truths, but we must also always do that from a motive and with a manner of love. Mm-hmm. And if we're if we're missing love in our manner or in our motive, then we are not representing Christ well. I think that's one of the reasons Christians often get a bad rep because that's a key ingredient that's missing when you're just bashing someone or judging someone with no real. Basis yes, and it. and also, uh, and, and I don't think I can say this often enough that so many who are doing exactly what you just described are not actually in Christ. They're not representing Christ because they're not a part of Christ. But they wear the name of Christ. They go to churches. They you know, they have Christian t-shirts and a fish symbol on their car and all that kind of stuff. But Jesus himself said, by their fruit you will know them. Mm-hmm. If, if you and I are not representing Christ in our conduct, 
if we're not looking like him, then we need to have some serious questions about if we've actually been changed and born again. We will stop there because we're way over. Way over. But I thought, I think this was all good to discuss and we probably could have done a lot more. Um, And we will. And we will. We'll dive a little deeper into each one of these uh, in the coming weeks and talk more about it. If you guys have any questions, this would be a great opportunity to send them in uh, so we, we can bring them up later when we do talk more deeply about these things. So feel free to email us at somethingreal at reallifeonline.org. You can leave us a voicemail message on the Anchor app or by calling 269-756-RLCC. I didn't. I don't know when I breathed. Um, that was excellent. <laughs> I was very proud. Uh, or you can leave us a message on Facebook or YouTube. Um, if you're watching the video version of this, you can even leave a comment below in question format or whatever you want, and we will get to them. Good. I think that's all I have. I, I just want to encourage people, uh, if, if, if this podcast seems too long to you. forget that. Uh, um, Oh, that, that too. But oh. <laughs> uh, if this seems too long to you, just remember, this is not one long podcast. It is a series of four. It's a collection of four very short podcasts together. Break so them up. There's that. But uh, I think what you were referring to is the. It, it really helps us to spread the word if you can give us a five-star review on whatever platform especially you're on. Especially on iTunes. Especially on iTunes. Uh, if you can like, subscribe, comment on YouTube, uh, on Facebook, share, you know, all of those things. Share it as often as you can. If you share it, uh, I encourage you to. <laughs> if you u- share it, they will come. I encourage you to use the hashtag Love Speaks Truth or even hashtag Something Real, and we can be able to, to develop those things. I don't like to be promoting, but. We're but but if it matters to you and if you think that this is a worthwhile thing, if, if you benefited from it and want others to benefit from it, then those things are helpful. It's not monetized. We don't benefit from this in that way. But uh, it, <laughs> Thank you for clarifying but, in that way. But, but we, do, uh, we do believe that God's Word is something that everybody needs and we want to get it out to as many people as possible. And I like spending my Tuesday mornings with Rich. So Good times. I, I benefit from it. So. I pay her a lot to say That's that. That's true. Goodbye, everybody. Pretty sure I just waved off.